0: So, we are returning to the Redacted Culture cast. This is Monday. Let's see, what is it, Monday? It would be like Monday, April 2nd, after the Day of Vengeance, as they call it. We'll see if the world uh, is is held together by duct tape and super glue after this weekend. But for episode 70, we have a returning guest.
1: How's it going? Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, so we have, uh, so who are you for those who missed you the first time? Yeah, so grown my sense. name is
1: Alex. I am the founder of Mojave Repeater, uh, providing extended range off-grid communication solutions and training for our customers.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome back, Alex. It's, uh, I've actually been, I've been looking forward to this conversation, also taking some notes. Turns out, um, you know, the whole, there's a, the, the the comms thing is a nice the com what I'm seeing from my end from my small window is that there's a lot of interest in trying to not a lot of interest that's that's a bad word uh even in myself I am more interested in trying to figure out how to use better equipment more effectively for well established goals i'm kind mm-hmm. of I'm kind of tired of the whole well it's just for survival or survival as like an end goal mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of tired of that I don't see that nearly as much as I used to but even in my own life and my own activities and the objectives of this show, um, I have found myself acting, being a little too reactionary. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on some proactive options uh, in the, or proactive things in today's show. Yep. Uh, but if this is going live this if this is going live Monday April 2nd we still have the pre-order so I'm gonna put it up for those who are watching on YouTube We still have the pre-order for season one operation 2 into beasts which is in conjunction with Ethan also known as Gypsy Walters so he put out together a design and there is a message baked into that cake if you can figure it out there's more stuff attached to it so good luck on the hunt. But onto the show. Back business. Business is over now. It's just you and I. So, um, it's been about. Was he? It's been about four, five, six. Well, not quite six months, but it's been about four or five months since we, you and I, have really talked on a show like this. So doesn't feel wow, it, but yeah, right. Time is time is moving. It's officially <laughs> it's officially spring now. I don't even think we had even hit winter by the time mm-hmm. the last time we talked and, yeah. um. And, and as a result of our last conversation, I have noticed in my observation, perhaps it's the new car problem, but I've noticed quite a bit more chatter, let's just say, on radios that are trying to move away from the get a fang kind of level. Like, I've seen a little bit more interest in the different uses of radios, radio communications, radio, radios in general, and, 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 and and also a recognition that radios is not a community radios is a solution to a bigger issue. And that is communications mm-hmm. for a bigger objective. So yeah. uh, how much, how have you, how, how, how much has things changed for you in the last six months?
1: Well, I don't know if we, you know, talked about this last time, but speaking on the new car problem and noticing uh, a greater interest in like radio things and stuff. I mean, I think the community has absolutely exploded with new pages new perspectives on radio communications Um, and i've seen some guys come up and grow super quickly you know through instagram um, around this following about radio stuff so i think that's super cool glad that people are really interested in it um, and what it can do for you but yeah things have changed you know since the last time that we spoke um just like i mentioned uh to you earlier that I think the trajectory of this company has taken me to uh, focus on a few things. One is to become a solutions provider, um, which to me means being able to provide customers with all of the tools necessary to address their problems as they relate to communications. Um, Providing a robust pace plan, software integrations, um, and really the full suite, the full spectrum Uh, radio package for the customer. So I've been bringing on a lot of new vendors towards that end. Um, And then additionally, just building out, you know, more of a training menu. So I've been traveling around the country for the past year and a half, two years, uh, doing my RTO basics course. And what I've been really, my objective there has been to establish a good base um, with the community, you know, to kind of teach everyone up on the basics as best as we can um, so that we can then build from there, right? Because I think people aren't going to want to jump, you know, too deep into the communications world without getting, you know, the fundamentals first. So now that I feel like we've kind of approached that across the country, um, I'm kind of developing the training menu to include a little bit more advanced topics and stuff that I'm going to announce later this year.
0: All right, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it's it's always a pleasure to see what you guys are producing. Um, it 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 is it's a it's a pleasure to see what you guys produce. Um, as as far as how you depict course objectives and how you're trying to how you put together your your, your, your I think I, I, I'm just I'm being silly about this. I like what you guys have done because it's like I can look at that and go, okay, that's how I'd want to use that. It, it might be silly things, right? Like I think you guys posted a picture recently. I know this is kind of like an Instagram thing, but it's like you post a picture with a, some sort of radio attached to like an e-bike. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking, okay. I think that we're getting a little bit more attention looking at how we can use this kind of stuff. And I can even look back and now and say, I wish I was better at it. So I want to solve some questions. Uh, there are some questions I want to solve today. Um, that I wish I had answered and had been or been, been more aware of a while ago. Mm-hmm. So the uh, news flashes. I was an RTO in the military for like a total of three weeks. Nice. It, right, I went to an RTO school for some for this pro. I was I had moved around and this was like okay. I had got told that I was going to be the RTO for this uh, this element of the unit that I was in for a while, and it turned mm-hmm. out not to be the case. I ended up becoming a team leader instead. Yeah. Um, but the um but so i so i learned how to use a radio in in a military context but this was more than 10 years ago now well more than this is this is more than 10 years ago now and i'm looking back and going man i really wish i had learned a couple things better after i had gotten out and one of them was um it would have been really handy in minneapolis uh to be able to listen into various channels that were open
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but i wasn't even considering it at the time not not very effectively in fact i think we actually i think i knew people who were already doing it so like it was i just talked to timmy or whatever and he he handled it but now i recognize i wish i knew how to do that for, and i've and i've heard that the uh the sdr route is, a, is is the best way to go but for not not all of us have them right now and so I've got my handy-dandy bow hang here. And what, what level of, let's just say, radio wave surveillance can I do with a $50 radio?
1: Yeah, so I think what it, what it takes, you know, so what I, I'll preface this by saying that the applying the right tool to the problem is important. And I think that the right tool therein is the SDR. Um, so understanding that if, you know, that's outside of your means to be able to acquire What I think that it takes is a good understanding of the adversary, right? So you go into an operation with an electronic order of battle, which tells you it's basically some intel about what kind of electronic assets does the enemy bring to bear? Um, And this is kind of a military analogy, but can apply to anything. So, understanding what kind of electronic assets the adversary brings to bear is very important because, you know, if you know the capabilities and limitations of that gear, then you can exploit it. So, for example, if we know that Antifa is buying radios at Walmart, then we can reasonably expect that they're going to be operating on FRS channels with no ability to program those. um, And you'll be able to just quite simply monitor them from a Baofeng, right? Um, So that's one part of it. I think, you know, really the where you gain the most advantage is in that open source intelligence and the preparation up front, being able to research these things, right, infiltrating social media or groups um, and being able to extract that kind of information is important. But the capability that the equipment provides in terms of having just a Baofeng is really not suited to this goal. Um, you can scan channels on a Baofeng if you program them in, it just scans very slowly. You're likely to miss traffic. Um, and you, you're kind of taking a a shot in the dark because you can't see what you're scanning through. You can't see where there's traffic on channels that you're not listening. Um, you're just kind of going through until you hear some traffic come across. So, you know, that's why I think that the SDR is the appropriate tool. Because that gives you a, a segment of bandwidth that you can work with, you know you can actually visually see that, inspect it on the FFT and the waterfall chart. and you can program that too to scan and you can program it to demod certain audio. Um, so it's much more flexible and much more appropriate for this use case.
0: so ultimately speaking, you're the so you're, you're, you're I guess you're saying that there's it's not worth thinking it's it's if you're thinking about scanning for channels and all you have is a Baofeng, uh it'd be worth investing in something more just flat out, like flat out. Yeah. OK, because I, sometimes I think that I sometimes I think that there's this mentality that exists within or sometimes I see how this mentality exists within our environment is Um, it may be hard. There may there's this sort of I wouldn't say it's necessarily an ethos, but this this Grounding principle of like it may be more difficult to do with it to accomplish my goal with the equipment that I have, but I that just means I have to be more skilled and and so you know,
1: I mean you know to that point like you know during the Great Desert Wars our twenty six XX Marines the signals intelligence and electronic warfare guys were direction finding and killing the enemy with an AR eighty two hundred scanner and a freaking right in the rain, you know? So is it a skill issue? I think you can do a lot with basic equipment if you're well-trained and, um, you know, understand what you're doing. You have a good, yeah, you have to have a good understanding of of your mission, right? What are your objectives um, and what information can assist you? You know, what are you looking for? So, ultimately yeah like a, a cheap scanner is a good tool um an SDR is like a step above and it's also just cheaper now right the SDR is something that anybody can get on Amazon but I think a scanner or an SDR definitely outshines a Baofeng in terms of what it can do
0: so yeah I think because I, I want to make sure this is this or this comes down to not not, not even an order of battle but like a, a how do we set priorities and at any given moment at any given moment one of us, here whether it's myself or it's somebody listening or it's somebody else in the cult in our in our environment is is trying to figure out and sort out how do they think about capability mm-hmm. and it might be a it might be a commander in the military it might be a, it might be in, in in you know a person on a, on a SWAT team or a police force there might be somebody in regards to just their own security apparatus there might be somebody working in a, it's a private security environment it might be somebody in their neighborhood it might be somebody like myself who's who's just doing what I'm doing. And one consistent problem that uh, affects all of these populations is how do we evaluate our objectives? How do we evaluate what good or working looks like? Yeah, Because um, I think we all want to avoid two pitfalls, and one of them is a false sense of security, and the other one is looking good but being shit. hmm So. So...
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, and you know the the way that you evaluate the threat model and that you kind of face is weighs heavily on how you um, weighs heavily on how you stack rack and stack, you know the things that are important to you. So, like for example, recently uh, because of the news, you know the horrible news last week or earlier this week, uh, a school reached out to me. You know, and they want to get secure encrypted radios um, and they asked, you know, one thing that they asked was how important is it for a school to have higher, higher end encrypted radios and to his point for asking me that, is there any school that really employs encrypted radios? No, not really. Most of them don't, but we protect our soldiers and our Marines with encrypted radios. It's a matter of life and death. And you know, when you're facing a threat now, in today's day and age, where you have to be concerned about that, then that is something that you're going to want to incorporate into your calculus. Um, You know, like I mentioned with the 2600 Marines, the 26XX guys, the um, signals intelligence MOS, you know, they develop a pattern of life when they can demodulate and listen to audio, right? And they don't even need to, to listen to audio to do that. They, but they're, trained to establish a pattern of life of the enemy, right? By observing the signals that they put out into the environment. And that's how they go and they kill the enemy. So,
0: yeah, I I think that's an excellent, you know, attitude. This is going to be a bit exploratory, but I think when it comes to the issues with like schools and and especially churches and schools now is that once again, once once again that that conversation is on the table of like how is your how is your institution defending itself mm-hmm. um i think i mean and there are some things to be there are some things to be very critical on and one of them is that like even if your environment even if your environment is like we're going to just take the most recent example of of what happened in in north carolina is that there's two things that we know right now one of them is it took the officers about 15 minutes to accomplish the task, roughly, uh, to you know, get on site to start. The 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 there was like a 15 minute window where the 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 assailant um, had a lot of was in control of the environment or had some moderate you know whatever. And then the other one is uh, that they that they had avoided at, they had at least there's at least a, a strong argument that they had avoided another opportunity op- another. School or whatever, church school or whatever uh, another target because it was less ideal. It was it was it was a heart slightly harder target. Right. And so, on the one hand, what these two things communicate, in, in as far as in relevance to our, ourselves, is one we know this one, but it's a stark reminder that like no one is that there are bad people out there. There are people that who who will try to destroy you for your probably for your values and that no one that even the police cannot be there on time mm-hmm. they can't be there to stop it right this is this this idea that it's they're there is is, is, is it's just sort of it's not possible and then okay. the other side of it is um so the one lesson being you know, like you have whether or not you want it to be or, or you think it's justified or not you hold you bear some responsibility for the outcome of your existence mm-hmm. the other one is um that uh, the there are the the people who are who have made the moral decision or the immoral decision, but who have made the decision to cause death and harm will consider the difficulty of a target when engaging in it. Yep. Um, and so perhaps the goal is actually to do harm. Sometimes in, in situations like this, we can make the conclusion reasonably that the objective of the shooter was to cause suffering, not they didn't have a a very it it wasn't a target it wasn't a raid it wasn't a targeted thing it was i want to cause suffering and therefore this i'm going to choose this location Mm -hmm. um so there was a personal element and then an impersonal element to it so then having a having the ability to harden your target um is going to add to your ability it is going to add it it, like it's gonna i guess it's kind of self-justifying i don't know you have two things you have the, the carrot and the stick the carrot there, even though they're really both sticks, let's let's be honest. He, the cops can't be everywhere at every time, and being having a hardened target is going to deter individuals who have already committed themselves to a life of wickedness. So moving forward, <clears throat> um, i don't I think the uh, I think the conversation regarding like churches using encrypted comms, from my past experience and observation is it tends to be a little overzealous too quickly, like misplaced, misplaced objectives. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm starting to reconsider that as in how difficult and expensive is, it? is that is, is having an encrypted radio communication system for, let's just say a medium sized church of 500 congregants that unreasonable? What does it look like?
1: No, I think, you know, for a few thousand dollars, you can get a team Of security personnel outfitted with radios, especially you know, considering that is a relatively like small organization, right? You're not outfitting 500 congregates; you're outfitting 10 security guards.
0: You know. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, what would you what would you for if you if you were to? Can you give some free advice on the show? Yeah. If you're if 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 I'm a school, if I'm representing a school or a church that has some budget in mind, but is uh, open to approaching the question of radios for a already existing, let's just use the church example, an already existing security team. And that security team is 100% covert. They're not, they're not, there's no overt nature to it. They're just a number of guys. They have got a roster of guys on their a, a roster of men and women who attend their church regularly, who keep themselves maintained as far as skills come with a handgun who have their state appropriate concealed carry who all who function on a roster so that every Sunday during every sermon and every time the church is open to the public with the exception of like, you know, Monday through Friday when no one's really there, but every time the church is open to the public um, there's, there's somebody there who is officially on their responsibility is to be the watcher on the wall or to look out. So they already have this figured out, but now they, they have zero communications, zero whatsoever. But they're open to it and they don't have any preconceived conditions, ideas. What how would you how would you approach it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, in terms of the barrier that you're gonna put up, right? So the encryption piece to me is important because it prevents any bubble with the scanner from being able to listen in to your planning and establish that pattern of life against you, right, to use against you. So I think the encrypted piece is important, but at, you know, a minimum investment, you know, six handhelds, let's say, for security officers can generally, like I think in a lot of cases, cover the grounds of an establishment like a church. You know, you typically have open halls and uh, pretty clear terrain around them you know, not a a whole lot of property, right? So I think a few handhelds can definitely get after that. Now, what I would say is depending on the budget and level of investment that they wanna make, um, especially when you start talking about schools is implementing infrastructure. You know, number one, having the uh, repeater and the interconnected system to be able to provide full coverage on the property to where no matter where your teachers are at, they can reach back to somebody. Um, establishing zones and channels that are defined for certain purposes, I think is important as well. Um, and then integrating that with your planning. So as they train active shooter scenarios, which is something that I think, uh, churches and schools should be doing on a regular basis, that they integrate the calm planning with that scenario. You know, they exercise that. So whether that be you know evacuating to a safe location or holding in place in a hardened structure or secure classroom, and then what signals do they need to send up to alert others about that?
0: So it's not just the ability to communicate as in I have the hardware to to send a spoken word encrypted spoken word communication from one side of the property to the other. It's that. Everyone who has everyone who staffs the building is knows has like a set of protocol that they follow, so they know how to like. Okay, this is this. All right, so both of those, both of those make sense. I, my experience with churches is, is the 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 size of a church that is general generally considering a security team is the size of a church that is basically the size of a small school. You've got a lot mm-hmm. of concrete. You've got a usually multiple floors, um, and so that you're looking at a a. a, a that that essentially they're the size of a building that's already looking at some way of hosting some sort of education as well. Mm-hmm. And plus we're seeing we're going to see I think we see culturally seeing where there's two things going on at the same time. We're going to we're probably going to see more events like what happened uh this week. I think that we're going to see more deliberate we I I, I mean I, I don't want to go so far as to ascribe motive because that would be irresponsible, but I think the justification of it um whether uh, seen on on most levels of culture whether it's from politicians or news people or and, and i'm quite honest some of it's just the people that i listen to during the day hmm. which is um it's it's probably for me an echo chamber but not not that i'm in the echo chamber the echo chamber that i'm in is talking about other people talking about things which is stupid and i need to fix that <clears throat> but for this thing for For the sake of rambling, I think that we're going to see more events like this. I think we're going to see a consistent rise and increase in attacks on religious institutions, especially religious institutions that also have an education attachment. That is also because I think we're going to see a lot more churches offering schools. I think, what is it? Tim Kennedy has got his apology. uh, Not not apology. Tim Kennedy and Mike Glover are both launching a K through 12 alternative, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, like homeschooling right. is on the rise. Churches have, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a rural area where we went to school. Well, I was homeschooled, but when we would do like community ed- education, think of it as um, a bunch of kids would get together and they'd all go study stuff at a location, yeah. kind of like a co-op. Um, they were always hosted at churches. Mm-hmm. And so we're I think I think the the line between church and school is going to become pretty thin here mm-hmm. um I, I just don't think this conversation is gonna get quieter I think more yeah. and more I think more and more churches are very seriously reconsidering what their communications platform is and they right. have and I think they have good men and women in their. In their seats and in their staff that might not know how to answer this, and their only thought on radios is Walmart or Navy Seal, and mm-hmm. neither of those is right. Or would you say? That? Would you say that? How do you? How did you?
1: Well, what I'd say, I what I'd say about that is, um, you know, the thing that just like disappoints me the most is that you know these things keep happening, and us as like the adults with children in in the schools not not that i have kids yet but one day when i do um, you know we are charged with their protection like if that's my own child like i'm not i'm tired of waiting around for anybody to implement any sort of policy that's going to make a difference you know we need to start taking initiative and doing the things that are within our reach pulling together our resources as a community um sharing you know, knowledge, um, to present those hardened targets, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of waiting around for anybody to make any sort of change, um, because they're going to continue to let things go down this, this path that we've been seeing. Um, And that's the way that they want it to be. So, you know, I think that we need to take the initiative and we need to do what's right, you know, by
0: the children. There's, there, I think there's something to be said about that, too, because it do, it doesn't matter matter whether it's by ignorance or by malice. I, the, your solution solves both. You're right. So, like, we as a community, and I mean we as a community might mean you and your neighborhood, you and the people who attend your school, me and my family who attend our church, this organization here, like, the it doesn't matter whether they're trying to, they, whoever they are, the infamous they are trying to do. The solution is the same
1: mm-hmm.
0: the solution is the same it's 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 kind of time it's time to take matters into your own hands and if you're not willing to do that then uh, then history will appropriately forget you yeah it doesn't mean that there aren't barriers in the way but you know like legal barriers ethical barriers not bar- i wouldn't say ethical barriers but yeah i, I agree with you 100 so then um we were talking about we were talking about a church or a school. Um, what is an example? How would, how, what, what is, what is an example of a pace plan and a commute? Like what is the software the the human software or the wetware that's necessary to make this that to go in conjunction with the radios? How do you get somebody to not be so fixated on the technology?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, something that I really try to like approach in the training courses is that, You know, the communications is never the main effort in regards to what you're doing. You're going to have an objective. And what's most important is that that operations planning is solid, it's rehearsed, it's understood what people's roles and responsibilities are. And then the communications is a supplement to that. It's what enables you to be more efficient, to be faster, you know, to reach out to outside entities and request support. Um, but it's never really the main objective. So yeah, I think, uh, can you, can you ask the question again or rephrase it? I'm I'm trying to,
0: yeah, it's, it's, so you're going to, we, we see this in the gun culture a lot of people get fixated on stuff and not right. what, to, right. right. And, and I think, yeah. I think for an organization like a church or an individual even, but let's focus on a church, like a, a usable structure that we're working on right now. How, what is, how do you, let's just say they're already starting to recognize that they've been very gear focused and they're, and and that's not the answer. It's not just gear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's gear and skills, gear and knowledge. Yeah. How do you, yeah, so
1: to, to your point, not to cut you off here, but launch. Uh, so with, in regards to the equipment, right. So like, that's another uh, point and kind of where I was going with that last statement is that, you know, never pursue technology for the cool factor, right? For the, the cloud or whatever it is. Like there's the technology has to serve a purpose, right? It has to suit your mission. So depending on how you apply that technology is going to define how successful or not that you are in accomplishing that mission, right? So I think it's important to have a well-defined mission to understand what you're doing and then to apply the right solution to that problem. So, you know, if you're talking about like a church and you need instant two-way voice communications, that's what's going to be the most important, right, is to be able to talk back and forth between each other. But, you know, maybe data solutions are not so important, right? The radio itself is going to give you that instant connection where a cell phone won't with a group of people, right? Um, Or the ability to bring in outside entities. Like if you're talking about, for example, a church that's being used as a um, like a evacuation center during some natural disaster, right? They're putting people up on cots, integrating with FEMA or another entity, for example, you can do that with radios, right? So having the right tools and understanding what your mission is going to be like, are we preparing for an active shooter drill, a natural disaster, and then exercising those things, practicing them, rehearsing them, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, I think I think that's a definitely a part of it too. I, I, I would like to see so if you're let's just say you're 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 presented as you're brought in as a as a as a as a specialist, as as the specialist regarding communications for a unit. Not a unit. Uh let's let's stick with the church and the school, you know, right? So they're a, a church or a school. Somebody like Method Endeavors is doing an active shooter mm-hmm. course. Um, or or somebody or, or they're do, or you know somebody's putting on a course for a, a church uh, for a, a church security course. It's a big force on force training thing, right? So they're doing an active shooter drill, uh, and they do it once. Let's just say they do it once a year. They bring in all the staff, everyone who's involved on this responsibility, local law enforcement, whatever. Mm-hmm. But let's stay away from the local the law enforcement because they have their own SOPs. Um, and so you've got the, you've got this big training event going on where an instructor, a firearms and tactics instructor, or whatever you want to call him, um, is leading the course, leading the, the, the staff of this church through an active shooter scenario. Mm-hmm. And you have been brought on as a specialist primarily to evaluate their communications capabilities. So you're not worried about their shot placement. You're not worried about what guns and who does where you're not worried about legalities. You're, or, well, you're not, you're always going to be, but you're not, you're not the legal consultant. You're there primarily to look at how they communicate to each other. Yep. What, what, what would, what you, what would be some of your criteria for um, consideration?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So number one upfront is going to be evaluating the tools that they resource their operators with okay so that all comes back to the planning phase right you're going to need uh well i would say you know map this kind of gets into operations type planning but like maps or grgs of your area of operations Um, understanding number two if you've done your homework up front you've been living in that place that is where you work daily where you can and cannot expect to communicate Um, so like a coverage type analysis of that area number three if your operators have equipment they're going to be need to be resourced with uh, some kind of what i would call a cut sheet to understand how to operate that equipment and then what goes along with that is a copy of the communications plan so are there channelized nets that establish different corridors for communication. So what purpose does each channel serve? And what is it for? What is it intended for, right? And then in terms of the execution of it, what I would evaluate is um, how do people, what I would evaluate is a couple of things. So I would look at uh, general operator proficiency. So how, how well can they operate the gear? I would take a look at how strict they are in terms of abiding by the plan that they set out to, to uh, implement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would take a look at um, what I would take a look at and try to get a feel for really is like how well rehearsed it is. So for example, um, are they using proper radio etiquette and pro words? Are they efficient with the way that they communicate? Because that tells you how practiced they are at that, right? Right. Um, are they using implicit or explicit communication, right? So if they've built trust as a team, there are some things that don't need to be explicitly said over the radio that can be done implicitly, right? Um, so that that kind of all plays into the the uh, these aspects. And then I would also take a look at um, reporting. So reporting, I think, is something obviously that they need to establish up front. But if they've established reports... And they have reporting criteria associated with them that can clean up and create massive, you know, improve massive efficiency in their communications planning. Uh, so when are they going to be report sending reports up? What are they going to be reporting, right? So when that guy walks in the front door with a gun, they're sending up a salute report. They're sending up the GRG that's associated with that and, the, and a timestamp on that report. Somebody is doing something based on that information, you know. Um, so that's what I would be looking for in evaluating a team's
0: uh, communication skills. So you're looking at, I'm going to just do uh, an evaluation here. We're looking at uh, outside of just, do they have the equipment? Do you have the equipment? What's, who's the How's that guy go? He's the, uh, the why are you gay guy. He's oh, the, yeah. They do not have the equipment. It's, it's hilarious. Um but uh (laughs) it's just radio uh (laughs) you gotta watch the whole thing it's hilarious the whole whole interview sorry uh because it's also relevant to us talking about churches this is just this this, it is uh it's hilarious uh but uh, i'm i'm not supposed to be making too much funny right now because we're talking about horrible things
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah i'm getting all worked up over here like yeah
0: but so so you're gonna evaluate Um, you're not only are you going to evaluate their equipment, but you're going to look at okay, what kind of reports are they putting up, or how have they taught their staff to put up reports? Yeah, that makes sense for me. You know, pertinent information, so that someone isn't hogging the net talking about stuff because we talk. Some people just talk when they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, another one is going to be jargon. That's what I I I wrote it down as jargon. Is it like do they know how to speak to each other in ways that in in jargon and brevity? Yeah. So that they've obviously spoken to each other enough on the radio that they know what they're saying. They're not, it's not a lot of say again, say again, say again. Yeah. Uh, the next one is that, um, the people who are who are in the space are familiar with it. And I was th- even thinking about that as unlike, wow, you know, I we're that's a good point I've taken for granted knowing what the space feels like at a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe not everyone does. Yeah. Um, and I remember us as kids exploring the ever loving hell out of the church that we attended, uh, you know, climbing in the high, trying, trying to find secret hidden passageways where they store the chairs on Monday or something. Uh, but stuff like that. And then another one would be the last one though. I think, um, the one that stuck out a little bit was how comfortable people talking in the radio and then the comms plan. What are each channel? What is each channel for? How do you um? How would you break down a comms plan? How would you break down a comms plan for a church that's looking at active shooter concerns?
1: So, uh, real quick. So first, I kind of want to break those down into categories, just because I I was just thinking about that as you're kind of saying them. But I would say planning, right? Resources, rehearsals, mm-hmm. and then operator proficiency and efficiency of execution. Right. So those are the kind of the five categories that I would put those into in terms of how I would evaluate. Now, how would I break down a communications plan for a church for an active shooter scenario? I I don't think that, you know, you necessarily, like you need to plan for and implement for an active shooter scenario, but you need to consider the whole picture in terms of how are people gonna be interacting with that equipment, um, you know, upfront, like on a day-to-day basis, right? A lot of times, you know, with the communication stuff, we did training in the military and stuff. And it's like, everybody's training. But when we're doing, setting up comms for the training exercise, that's like real life for us too. You know, even though you're not getting shot at, it's still, you're exercising that real, um, you know, capability. Because when the comms goes down, it's, it's important. You know, it's like, we can't do the rest of the stuff, right? So um, anyway, what I would say is consider what you're doing Uh, on a day-to-day basis as well. So if I were to implement comms for a church, you know, and this kind of goes back to having a well-defined mission because like, I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes of a church, right? But I would say at least what you can apply to pretty much any scenario is number one is gonna be your uh, tactical actions, right? Like attack net. So that's where the majority of your traffic is coming across as it relates to your operations, ops. Maybe you call your ops net. So we'll call it ops operations. I would have a separate logistics net, right, for just logistics concerns. Um, and then I would have probably like a command net where, you know, maybe people uh, who want to uh, pass tasking, they can do it on the command net. Um, something to that effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those three categories are are something to consider. The other thing though, is that you know as you start to to develop this plan, you have to consider who's monitoring th- those things and when, right? Because if they have one radio, maybe they can only monitor one net at a time.
0: But then yes. do you have
1: an agency who's like a dispatch that can monitor all aspects of that that communications plan? You know, it's going to depend on the the composition of the organization and what their mission is.
0: Okay. Hey, I'm going to uh, I'm I I've discovered that my computer is going to have a problem with me. So give me a second. I'm going to send you a second invite, and we're going to get you back on the show right away. So okay. for every for those who are listening, I'm not going to take the time to edit this out. Uh, I have to make a switch on this computer. So I will we'll be right back. But I have my notes. Now that we're back from this unscheduled break, there was your chance at having a commercial uh, i guess i i'm gonna I'm gonna skip out on that, uh, but we're back um computer issues because that's just where we're at in life. moving on so we've been talking we've been spending a whole bunch of time talking about churches and schools and institutions looking at like their 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 own security apparatus. I think this is built on a foundation that um you know and, and I'll, i'm gonna actually make an in, let me let me know what you think about this one i'm gonna make a moral statement here i think there's this idea that's presented a lot in gun culture as well as as kind of this gun culture self-defense culture whatever that there's this mentality that's brought up quite a bit which starts from a criticism of of people's assume assumptions about their environment quite mm-hmm. frankly it's um i understand i I very much so understand what ian strombeck is saying when he says no one is coming to save you i think he's making a really good point um and so this idea that no one is going to save you is that like the threat that we're facing let's take the example of a church is in a scenario where the institution is not going to defend them because of politics and they are they have a rising threat because of politics or whatever you want to call it whether it's politics or culture or, or whatever um and part of me says okay the assumption is made that uh there could be an environment where the police officer could help you but they can't it takes an officer 15 minutes to get to your school in a perfect world we would have one at every doorstep but you don't you're not going to Right, and my, my, my thought on this is, is as of lately is, is has been changing. And it's been changing to maybe more so argue, um, not only is it situationally relevant for you to have some form of security apparatus in your environment. Um, I'm going to go back to churches, but it, actually I think I'm going to make a moral case for it that you need to that 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 religious institutions are should 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 have are, are almost duty bound to have either an open statement of pacifism or something like that maybe and again pacifism is a weird thing but um i think john piper one of the few people in the world who's he's a christian theologian who i think his version of pacifism is somewhat respectable i don't agree with it but i think it's respectable Mm -hmm. because he says he's not going to call he he has his he has his statements right he says i'm going to live by the consequences of my decisions Mm -hmm. um but i think i think that uh not only is it is it sort of a reactionary approach yes we're seeing the environment that is dangerous yes we're seeing that that the police can't save you yes we're seeing these things but all of these things are fall short of one thing that i think is more important or not fall short of, all of these things fall short of something I think is actually an ethos, is that it is good. It is good for you to consider your care of your environment and to look out for it. It is good Mm -hmm. stewardship as the owner of a business to pay attention to the health and wellness of your employees. It is good stewardship for you as a pastor to consider what the what the security apparatus on your building is. And if you refuse to accept that, and there is a, and you, and you pay the consequences for that, you bear some moral responsibility, not responsibility for the actions of the, of the, of the violent person. But I think that we keep looking at this attitude of having a plan and having a security apparatus or having a communications plan as purely being, sort of tied into this assumed fictional universe where something could happen where we need to use this to save our life and in and my issue with it is it's like i survival I, you know survival for me is alcoholism that's what survival is and i and i don't and i and this is a bit of a confession thing but the point being said is like if i'm merely surviving There's nothing stopping me from being, from being, becoming an alcoholic because there's that, because I can survive on alcoholism until I'm dead and then it doesn't bother me anymore. So, like, so, so I think survival, we, we put things into this box of, 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 um, being in reference to a potential threat. Whereas I think in a pro, a much more appropriate way of, of looking at it is that. Setting up a security apparatus for your institution is not only a moral, it's not only good stewardship, it is you're nearly morally obligated to do it. You're at least obligated to consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might come across as a little bit harsh. But I think our attitude, we approach this so often, this subject of security, and we approach this the subject of like threats and self-defense purely from a passive approach. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to kind of flip the tables a little bit here, and look at something like um, going 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 back to radios and going back to radios and communication again. I got my you know handy dandy Baofeng here with I think this is like a Great Plains something. I got. <clears> I'm sorry if I'm getting your company wrong. but it, it's a it's a it's a, essentially like a small hardening shield that prevents you from NDing all the buttons and turning on the switch. It's actually been really handy. It does fit in my radio pouch. It takes a little adjustment, but fine. Um but well, let's go to like direction finding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, we talk about direction finding from a defensive sta- standing as in okay, don't 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 end your radio cuz someone can direction find you. Who's going to be direction finding me, the owner of this company? Uh either fuds with their radios or um the government or mm-hmm. or if i'm in an operations environment my adversary what about what are the realistic threats on being direction found and then how do we turn that around
1: so i think that the realistic threats comes down to who you see your adversary as if you're talking about just general direction finding, like you kind of mentioned, the people that are relatively skilled with it are, you know, ham radio guys who do fox hunting, which is basically another word for direction finding another term. Um, There is the government, obviously, with all its capability and equipment, Um, but it's becoming more well within reach of the average consumer. There are new SDRs coming out, like, you know, the RTL, there's the Kraken RF, and the skills and tactics are becoming open source, you know, so it it depends on what your threat model is. I I just don't really see much of a threat of direction finding for the average person right now, Um, you know, unless you envision some kind of uh, doomsday scenario where, you your adversary is the government or let's yeah. say for example the government of a foreign country that invades this this country
0: sure or like ukraine or i mean yeah there's the, the i think i i that's what i want to do here is i want to start i want to dispel a little bit of the myths around direction finding because my experience with it is either being on the hunter killer team for the government um i.e ranger battalion <clears throat> where we had some guy who was always, we always had somebody who was like specifically trained in it. And sometimes it was just a team leader. Sometimes you just learned some, sometimes guys just f- picked up and figured out how to do it. Some guys came for recce. Some guys came from this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. but there was always, you know, anytime we were going after somebody, if we could use sig, sig int or signal intelligence to identify them, uh, there was somebody who had a device and I was never this guy. So, mm-hmm. On the one hand, I have I have military experience. We need to find this guy. He's communicating in this wavelength. We know, to, we know how to we know how to we know how to track it. Blah 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 blah. Okay, he's over there. You know, you got your almost looks like a Game Boy. I think I don't remember it anymore. But you know, pe- we could direction find people. And then another the opposite t- side is now that I'm reinvesting into looking at how do I function on radios. I constantly am encountering this conversation about oh, well, you can use it, but you're going to be directionally found. And what I want to do is, is get rid of some of those myths. Like, yeah. what do you, how how much of a concern is it? What are you looking at? What is, the, what is the process of, what does it look like? How do you direction find somebody? And actually the real question then, or the follow-up question is, how do I learn how to do that? I want to learn how to direction find in an urban environment or a yeah. rural environment. How would you do, yeah. how would you go about that?
1: So, in terms of the threat, I think it's, it's kind of overblown, you know, like, I mean, I work with guys that are using an $80,000 piece of equipment that takes them all day to find a DMR radio. And it's not, you know, it's number one, proficiency, of the operator, and just general like capacity and intelligence, right, to do information, to, to do stuff with that information but proficiency right it needs to be practiced it's a skill um, and then number two just the fidelity and capability of that equipment even at eighty thousand dollars i mean you know that equipment is designed for direction finding analog and dmr radio but going beyond that like it, it gets very tough to do especially if you're employing like mesh network capabilities or satcom based solutions like you know unless you're on a single channel plain text or even encrypted right like that stuff is relatively easy to direction find outside of that it gets very hard to do hf very very difficult
0: all right so um okay so we're talking about you know we're talking about it's, it's difficult to do as in just I guess I'm trying to think of a, a scenario and I'll go back to uh, Minneapolis as, as an example. One thing that I had wished I wished I was more proficient at while I was in Minneapolis, when the riots were going on was uh I- communication interception at the, all of a sudden I was like, man, I really wish I was better at this. Yep. Um, and in retrospect, I completely overlooked radios. I was completely focused on uh, cell phone based communications. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I had some. There was somebody else who was on, uh, you know, in 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 the, in the loop. Let's just say, uh, who was able to monitor those kind of things. Um, but if I'm in, let's just say I'm in a city or in an environment that's in, in that's undergoing a state of, of on. Unrest some form of unrest, and I have secured a channel I've, I've, I have d- discovered a channel that is regularly used by somebody who I understand to be a, a bad actor. Yeah, whether whether they're a looter or whatever, and how if I wanted to try to figure out how I could identify their direction. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I can, is there something that someone on the civilian market can acquire and figure out how to use in a reasonable amount of time it may not be pinpointing the the apartment they're sitting in but like how do i figure this out how do i approach different direction finding in that in that scenario
1: yeah definitely so if you're you know just a civilian looking out for your own education and training and capability development then what i would do is buy yourself a directional antenna you can use a scanner like for example, the ARD200 that I mentioned before, a little bit old piece of gear, but you can use that type of scanner, or you can use an SDR, which would be better suited for this type of task. And you're going to basically spin, you know, spin and grin, I mean, that's how we uh, refer to looking up and down the spectrum, right? So you're gonna spin and grin, you're gonna look for your signal, your signal of interest. When you find it, what you're gonna do is, point that directional antenna in some direction, and then you rotate until the received strength of that signal is strongest, and then that gives you basically a lob, a lob being a line of bearing, which is an azimuth from you to your expected target.
0: All right, so you can you can you can at least get an azimuth from your location to them. Okay. Yeah, cuz there's a then there's a, and then what about uh, figuring out distance? So we have direction, what about distance? So that so, that's a that's a directional antenna then? I mean, yeah. I I so I kind of know, but I don't want to be assum, assumptive.
1: Yep, that is a directional antenna. Okay. So in terms of distance, that is much more difficult to figure out, right? it's gonna depend on how the radio wave propagates, right? What kind of power output the transmitter is is pushing out, but it's a radio link budget problem, right? So what I would tell Marines to do is we go through this whole like module in like an RF fundamentals class with Marines and you, you learn uh, propagation, you learn uh, path loss and then radio link budget, right? so if i can do like a radio link budget that basically or an rf path loss problem at a certain power level because you know the frequency then you can anticipate what the power level that they might be pushing out is if you can kind of make an assumption about what gear they're using like a handheld radio is going to be pushing out five watts then you can kind of draw a radius right so now you have from my Point of origin. I have an azimuth, and then I can draw a radius for like a minimum uh, power level output, and then a maximum power level output where of what I would receive. Okay, right. If that makes sense, so it gets like very mathy and complex.
0: It it, it kind of makes sense, but I think I'm cheating a little bit. When you say radio length budget, what do you what do you, what does that specifically refer to?
1: Right. So that refers to basically uh, how, how I would receive a transmitted signal, at what power level would I receive a transmitted signal?
0: Okay. Is that like, is that, uh, uh, the, my, my brain is thinking range. Is this the range of the rate? Uh, what is it a reference to? Is it re- me? So it's me at what distance would I receive it? Or is it like the, the, it, it, what is that? It, this, does this thing have a budget of five and then yours have a budget of 10 or is it, how does that, how does that work? So it's,
1: It's a calculation, right? So it's, there's a couple variables there. There's the distance that you're at or where you expect to be, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to make an assumption about distance, um, power output of the transmitter. You're going to, uh, make an assumption about the output, like the gain of the antenna on the transmitting end. And then you're going to have some fixed variables that, you know, like the gain of your receive antenna and the sensitivity of your receiver in the radio that you're receiving
0: with and okay so that so, budget oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead i was gonna say so I'm it's like an, so, it's a like an algorithm that i can use where i know i have these numbers that i know i know x and y and then i yeah. also have a reasonable assessment of what a is so therefore because i have four of the five factors i can i can i can solve for b
1: you can this- solve, but you're going to get like a range. You're going to basically okay. solve for a range, right? So that's that's one way. So if you're a solo operator, right, that's maybe one way to do it. It's going to take a little bit of time unless you're well-practiced with this. It's very math intensive. But typically how you employ the RFDF teams is in their teams, right? So you have SIUW teams. And basically what they're going to be doing is each team is going to be getting a lob and they're going to be communicating to one another, right? One one line of bearing is a lob, two is a cut, and then three is a fix. And when you have three, you basically know for for shit, sure, that the intersection of those three lines is where the target is located at.
0: So one, so wait a minute. One is a line. This is we're talking about three points, right? So you've mm-hmm. got one is a point, or one is a line, or you call it a lo- long. Lo- 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 line of bearing. Yep. Which is your azimuth, right? So one is yep. a line of bearing. Well and you one is a line, two is a cut, which means the intersection of two yep. lines. And then three is you have an you have a a fixed position. Yep. Okay. So that sounds like something that people say and they know what it means. And that's one is a line, two is a cut, three is a fix. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you
1: have three teams, right? They're each getting their own line of bearing and then the combination of that is a result that is actionable
0: yes yes that 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 makes sense to me because it, it has to go with like land navigation as well if i have if if um if you take three people on a map and you spread them out and then you give each of them a similar as you give each of them an azimuth and the and some and that azimuth draws a line, and somewhere on that line is um, there's a point that each of those azimuths point to. They all intersect mm-hmm. at the same location. This is what we're doing here. OK. Yeah. Um, let's go back to let's go back to uh, real quick on direction on, on identifying get it, gaining that azimuth. Um, mm-hmm. How reliable uh, is, uh, what are the factors that affect the reliability of that azimuth? Assuming yep. that I have a device, not assuming that I have a device, but like what are the what are the fa- factors that affect the 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 reliability of, or trustworthiness of said azimuth? Yes, yeah, so
1: that's a great question. So if you're talking about just some very basic equipment like this, mm-hmm. it's gonna well, it's gonna be a couple of factors. Number one, the most important factor is gonna be the environment always. So in regards to the environment, what I would consider is obstructions along that path. And then additionally, um, whatever can attenuate that signal. So if whatever the composition of the terrain is, right. So that would either make the signal come in weaker or stronger. uh, Well, not stronger, but it could make the signal come in much weaker. And then obstructions along that path could prevent you from being able to actually pick up your signal of interest, right? So having an understanding of the map and then where you need to collect from is very important. Uh, Number two, when you're talking about like an urban environment, it gets incrementally more difficult because you're dealing with multi-path propagation, right? So if you have a signal that arrives uh, because of a reflection, I can receive a signal basically equally well if I'm standing in front of a building, if I point at the building or if I point it at the receiver. Uh, it's reflecting
0: it's reflecting off the building.
1: Right. So that would give you a hundred and eighty degree offset that is incorrect.
0: Right. hmm So how would you fix so, that? Or not fix that? We can't use fix now because it's three. Uh, how would you how would you make uh, assessments and corrections for that?
1: So that is That is basically a function of, you know, number one, that just direction finding tactics are difficult in in urban environments. It's just hard to do. Like, there's really no compensation for that. Number two is the fact that this is not the premier solution, right? This is just a very basic solution. There are uh, tools that do a lot of stuff in software. They implement hardware Um, and use techniques that are much more advanced to give you much more refined answers about this stuff.
0: Gotcha. So like, you know, what, like what's an example of one of these, this, this technology that you speak of?
1: Yeah. So basically like, you know, we're talking about the SDR world, right? Like the RTL SDR is not a novel piece of equipment. It is something that has popped up in recent years from China on Amazon because it's You know, it's basically they've made the technology cheap enough to produce this device. And so what the RTL-SDR gives you is like one to two megahertz of instantaneous bandwidth and a very slow scanning or sweep speed um, and not great resolution, bandwidth resolution. So SDRs come in a variety of shapes and sizes and are used for different things but they there's a scale for how expensive they get. You know, you can look at for example on the lower end of SDR technology, Signal Hound makes some really great SDRs and spectrum analyzers. Those are going to run you, you know, 3500 bucks to 5 grand and it's going to give you a pretty decent chunk of bandwidth to work with and a good solid sweep speed. You need to pair that with the the right software and additional hardware, like for example, a direction finding head that actually is like an array of antennas and it's the software will use a technique um, like angle of arrival or time difference of arrival to direction find a signal. And it's much more intuitive than, you know, a person with this tool pointing in a a bunch of directions and trying to find a signal.
0: Okay, so, because I was going to ask you that question, like, Fieldcraft, not Fieldcraft Survival, although, you know, shout out to Mike Glover. um, I I hope his business is working out. Uh, You know, it's an interesting time of year. Poor guy just keeps getting hit by, I'm not being facetious, he just keeps getting hit um, by, like, you know, Stripe doesn't want to work with him now, and everyone just... Oh, terrible.
1: But that's... That's
0: well, I, 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 honestly, though, like as much as it as as much as this is going to be the, I don't, I can't get too far off this. I think when it comes to Mike Glover, and this is got to be short, is that, um, in some ways, he's not the canary in the coal mine. He Mike Glover is a big enough person, and he's a big enough personality that when events like this do happen, um, it's 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 not like on accident. It's not it's not, and that's not saying much what is saying much is that uh for as much as as much of time is spent evaluating and kind of critiquing uh even in my own life that i that we that i spend like evaluating and critiquing people something that i must give mike glover quite a bit of credit for is that man has been working really hard um uh, you know he's been he's been trying to and and he's had some good breaks he's had some great successes but he is, that man is, you can't say that he's not working hard. Yeah. um, Just like you can't say that Tim Kennedy isn't an aggressive fighter. Uh, there's just other issues to it. And then it's not really a slam on Tim Kennedy. It just doesn't mean anything right now. Yeah. Interlude aside. I was going to ask you this one. Fieldcraft. Okay, so you keep picking up this signal, this this direction-finding device. Mm-hmm you can't walk around minneapolis with that i hate to break it to you like is so can you can you like Or guy? yeah 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 even with like the little you gotta you, is that an assault pistol grip you have on that thing <laughs> that is that is a an that assault grip? A, that's
1: a standard uh air 15 handguard that i threw on there
0: you have an assault radio finding device did you know that right now <laughs> how ridiculous yeah that. um no, I was going to say like so you've got one solution you 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 made a statement let me rephrase this This might be completely obsolete but what are methods of camouflaging that thing because it's very out if you're walking around with that everyone knows what you're doing Are there are there yeah. camouflaging methods You can't you can't
1: really camouflage that I mean, you know, like you can wrap it in, in camo tape, but if you're walking around and people see you that it's like very conspicuous, right? Like sure. I think that some of the more like uh I guess boutique or like tailored solutions for like covert direction finding, you know, like the FBI van, right? And what it's doing, those are, you know, it might look like a mushroom on top of a, a van. And like mm-hmm. maybe that's like the air conditioning unit, or it's actually a direction finding head. You know, and that's how they would do it is like really vehicle based um, covert surveillance, mm-hmm. but uh, foot, foot mobile, like ground based direction finding and, and really like what this comes down to as well as, um, you know, the most obvious thing, which is that it's airborne. Airborne is the best way to do it. Like ground EW is not super effective. EW? Electronic warfare.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when you say airborne, that means get getting a drone up in the sky. Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. they do that.
1: You know, like, the FBI has been doing that domestically. For some but, time. You know, to what end, right? I'm not sure. like, But they, they do enlist, like, there's articles about it. This is open source uh, news. But, you know, you can read about how uh, they hire commercial planes to kind of uh disguise the fact that it's the fbi that's doing like surveillance right so Mm -hmm. but yeah aviation is definitely air is definitely the way to go uh in terms of that sort of thing
0: are there ways for um a a a civilian or a citizen like myself uh, or are there ways that a a citizen could assess the their environment for uh direction finding threats, like, or not threats, I guess that's not the right thing. Like, okay, is there a way that I can, if there are others, are, are there identifiers that I can use or tools that I can use to try to figure out if there's, um, you know, a, a spy bird above me?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you can go to FlightAware mm-hmm. and there's going to be, uh, I don't know if there's like a maintained list, but there's like some news articles that allude to uh, some commercial tail numbers that are historically like flying certain patterns that will be, you know, for surveillance, right? Like just, you can tell, and there's, um, you know, articles that uh, kind of put some of those tail numbers out there. So I would definitely look at FlightAware and look for those things. Um, In terms of like this thing, like land mobile radio direction finding, this is passive, you know, Um, so there's really not much that you can do to detect when somebody's doing that against you. Um, you just have to understand that when you're putting your signal out there that anybody can receive it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What I will say, though, is so there's uh, the land mobile direction finding aspect and then there's like the cellular aspect, right? And network intrusion and and things of that nature. Uh, I would take a look at this tool released by the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation. It's called Crocodile Hunter okay and so oh, okay you might have, what's
0: that i'm just i'm listening so it's a tool i want to make sure i write this down because i can listen uh-huh. to this again but i want to write it down it's a yeah. tool called the crocodile hunter yeah which is made by whom or or acquired by whom so it's made by
1: the electronic frontier foundation it's an open source software tool all right and yeah. go ahead so you might know that Steve Irwin was killed by what animal? Stingray. Stingray, right, which is also open source now because some journalists exposed it. But one of the tools that they use to collect cell phone information, right? So what it what that does is basically it, it mimics a cell phone tower. It's like a cell on wheels, right, is, is an example of that sort of same device, um, which basically gets subscribers to connect to it and then sniffs all that traffic that's going through its BTS right um, and basically that that thing is uh, so you can detect when it's doing that right because they they do weird behaviors like they try to mimic another cell towers uh, ID or they might be moving which is a sure sign cell towers don't move right so it's a sure sign that that is a Thing that's trying to surveil you.
0: All right, so let's go all the way back here because I, I, again, I'm standing on the periphery of understanding this, mm-hmm. but part of that is because of my background, <clears throat> and I don't want to, I do not want to let parts slip through those cracks. Mm-hmm. So the tool Crocodile Hunter is an open source software tool that allows you to uh, track. Was it was it, it allows you to track towers in your area? Yeah.
1: It detects, uh, okay. it detects stingrays or fake cell towers, with an uh, RTLSDR.
0: Uh, with an RTL, uh, yeah. So, uh, what does the RTL in, in in RTLSDR stand for?
1: I don't know. That's a good question.
0: Okay, it doesn't. Maybe there it doesn't mean anything. That. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I know. What, I mean, radio telephone operator, radio, radio telephone language. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Real time. And then um so the 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 program for those who are not listening or who are listening who are not familiar with the uh, the stingray the whole stingray program let's just call it the stingray program what is it what what are you what are you referring to
1: Right so anybody can look up the article about it but law enforcement agencies federal law enforcement agencies military units etc um you know purchase this piece of hardware that is basically effectively emulating a cell phone tower so that subscribers will connect to it and then any traffic that goes through they can monitor Mm
0: -hmm. yep and they can also use as a a, second point for triangulation
1: yes correct they can geolocate subscribers with that
0: yeah so for a cell phone signal right I'm, i'm thinking of this as in regards to you you have a cell phone in your house and if i know what your cell phone did your your cell phone id is um, I can and, and I have assets I can put a bird in the sky that has a stingray on it essentially and that stingray is telling me that stingray is acting like a tower which my phone is connecting to over and over and over and over, and over again without telling me because it won't tell me
1: Yeah.
0: but it's also connecting to that tower over there. Mm -hmm. right and then and as a result i have two points of reference or because the vehicle is moving it's it 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 has a ping on that location and so it it it, the it it, it, it's azimuth and degree is changing all the time but it's it's constantly pointing at the individual and so as it moves that point stays the same and and Mm -hmm. it's able to triangulate on it this is why it takes time i mean in one way this is why it took time like if if you you have to be on the phone for so long for it or the phone has to be functioning for so long for it to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that makes sense. So then Crocodile Hunter is a, so in conjunction with a SDR and RTL SDR, Crocodile Hunter will is a, is a piece of software that you put on your device that helps you identify false towers. Yes, And And it
1: will pick up, you know, Things that are legitimate too, like a cell on wheels, is something that they roll out for
0: events to improve cell coverage. Mm-hmm. It'll detect that too because it's kind of it looks sketchy to the program. Okay, yeah. So the program identifies anomalies, things that don't make sense, like things that are moving. Cool. <clears throat> and who's that by again? Or how do you get a hold of it? Like, is it just you download it from?
1: Yeah. So go to GitHub. You can search uh, Crocodile Hunter on GitHub, and it's by Electronic Frontier Foundation. It's the it's and that just, it's.
0: The, It's Electronic Frontier Foundation, I keep forgetting.
1: EFF, yeah. And a cool point on that, too, is like, yeah, it detects anomalies, but there's a little footwork involved. Like, if you spin up Crocodile Hunter, what's cool is you'll go out into town and it'll put the markers down on the map, and you go look at this stuff, and you see, oh, there's a van right there, you know, right at the mark where it it put it on the map. And uh, the van might have like vinyl decals on the side that says x communications company or whatever it's like okay that's a sell on wheels you know they're they're doing an event or something and Mm -hmm. it's not suspect but it might be a covert van and then it's suspect
0: yeah and this is where decision making like having a having a a cool head in a decision making process is, is is much more important and i think you know, honestly, and this kind of comes back to, like, the whole kind of tinfoil hat stuff, I think most of that comes from having a need for a mission but having none present. Mm-hmm. Right? Living a... And I don't mean it so simply, but I, you could quite simply say your life is too cush. Mm-hmm. That you're creating problems for yourself. And yeah. and that's, you know, but I'm not saying that... It, it, the danger being... It's not that... Because the whole problem with conspiracy theories, again, it go, goes off and off and off and on and on and on, but, like, the whole subject of it is... um the thing which we find morally offensive is not the not the potential legitimacy of the story, but the actions of the the, the, the speaker. Like you don't believe mm-hmm. this; you're just sitting on your couch yelling at clouds. And I right. find that morally repulsive, as opposed to like, oh, it could be true. Like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to like, oh, you know, for example, like the Epstein thing was a conspiracy until it wasn't, and right. and. It turned out to be much more true than a lot of people wanted to, but that's not validation for every other theory, right? You need to establish a framework of evaluating information before you can make accusations of it. <laughs> well, not before, but I digress. Cool, that's a useful tool. That's a, that's a really useful tool. So I, I I've been thinking about that as in um, exercises that we can engage in, like. It kind of goes back to the fitness thing or the fitness references. Is is like if you have a goal in mind, running a marathon, climbing a mountain, lifting a certain meeting a certain standard, that's a much better set of motivation for going to the gym than just saying be better. Yeah. Um, And so I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of ways that I can not necessarily hack because it's a bit of a nine or 2000s phrase, but set up objectives like, okay, I want to have this capability and this is how I figure it out. Yeah. um i also think it'd be hilarious uh if you could set up a direction like a passive direction finding tool i in in like a homeless person's shopping cart that's the way you yeah. do it man like yeah let's totally. recreate let, let's completely recreate the um the uh sherlock holmes uh what do, what do they call them in the book he had his not scoundrels uh whatever he had his, you know all the, the the urchins all the all the street urchins were basically his network and like yeah let's let's do this let's, wep- <laughs> <laughs> let's weaponize it get weaponized with
1: it i mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's weaponized homelessness
1: yeah <laughs> you have your coc in like a tent you know how they have the tents on the side of the street
0: mhm oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah there's in there yeah. Oh, completely. You go into the tent. It's like air conditioned. There's a, there's like a you know a, a, there's like the 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 FBI's version of a private. Like, would you like coffee, sir? How's it yeah. feel? It's, it's all, like an eight man a, tent. <laughs> he's got a Huge. British accent for no reason, and you're like, you know, <laughs> it would be. I mean, it, like, you you think about it, but but the the next question is, is it illegal? If you were to, if you were to like, just as a bunch of friends go build like a, a a full on homeless shelter version of a surveillance tool, I'm not saying you're surveilling on people, but is that illegal? I don't know. I mean,
1: you know, when it comes down to like a private citizen receiving signals that are traveling through free space, you know, you are an enthusiast, you're a ham radio enthusiast. And Mm -hmm. I think it comes with an understanding, like, as long as you're not breaching people's reasonable expectation of privacy that you are not violating, you know, man to man violating their fourth amendment. Right. And I think that's something that you should definitely, when people ask me about like signals, intelligence and electronic warfare type stuff, and it's like, you know, whatever I can share with them about civilian capabilities and things of that nature, like the number one thing is that you need to have a deep respect for people's privacy and you need to have an understanding that if you appreciate your fourth amendment then you will respect others so that's the number one thing for me um number two is you know at the end of the day if you're using a tool like this and an rtl sdr that is an enthusiast and hobbyist type thing that you know is not illegal like if Mm -hmm. people are talking on an analog radio and they don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy, right? Because they're not encrypting that communications or they're not licensed to encrypt the communication or whatever, you know, they're not trying to hide anything. So you can listen to that. It's totally legal. You can listen to law enforcement, right? And the law has been designed that way. Um, You know, so it is legal. Yes. To some degree, but just respect people's privacy.
0: Well, let's yeah, let's let's actually dig into a little bit of the the ethics of it. I mean, this is supposed to, in some sense, this is supposed to be a little bit of show on on philosophy. Um, and I when I and, it, and as of late, I've been trying to wrestle with different ways to present certain subjects, but that's just the nature of the beast. And so let's talk about this idea of privacy, because when it comes to the mechanism of the subject there's a lot of equipment and hay to be made surveilling populations. The NSA is the easiest target. You could go NSA yeah. Snowden, uh, who's Julian Assange, yeah. uh, the politically homeless, the, you could go the NSA spying route. You could go all these different ways. Right? You can, and so for an individual, most likely one of the main things that's I guess I, I can I can safely assume that the the vast majority of people that I know have absolutely zero issue with other people um uh, have zero issue of um infringing on somebody else's privacy because that requires action but now we have the issue of passive observation mm-hmm. um I think very few people. I don't. I don't think people accidentally stumble across other people's communications as much as is is it is a problem. But ethically speaking, um, it seems like steps have to be taken in order to become more secure. I guess I, I we can't trust people to. I can trust my neighbor not to spy on my house, but I can't trust my government not to spy on my phone. How do I solve that problem? And what are the ethics behind it? How would you address this issue?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question um, in terms of where you place your trust. But I think what what I wanna talk about uh, in regard to that is it's interesting, right? Like you have these devices, right? An analog radio, a DMR radio, a cell phone, it's kind of like, where do you draw the line in terms of where you expect to have privacy? And then what I find so interesting about it, uh, and then you can kind of expand that out to like the the internet, right? Like your personal computer. Um, how about your journal or your home, right? Like, where do you reasonably expect to have privacy? And that's like, you know, defined to some degree in uh, the Fourth Amendment, but I think it's interesting that, like, we have these radio communications devices, right? And when you think about, like, the Second Amendment, and this community is very, um, you know, well-versed in the Second Amendment, right? Like, the the Second Amendment is, it's your natural right, right? Like, it supersedes the Constitution. It's your natural right to bear arms for whatever, for self-defense. Got it. But when we talk about radios, Right. Radios are not necessarily protected by the constitution, right? The electromagnetic spectrum is not necessarily protected by the constitution, but why don't I have a right to be able to use radios to communicate securely without getting a license or without paying a fee or, you know, and why is why is it now then that I can pay my cell phone bill and then my 4th amendment applies to my cell phone? Is that the case? Right? So but it's it- interesting like there's this He's like, you know, it's weird how the rules apply and how they don't and how the FCC and the, the government wants to control that, you know?
0: Yeah. So I, I've, 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 I came across, there's a challenge, I didn't come across, there's this challenge that privacy is exactly the point. And, and there's this challenge that we've, I've run into lately. And, and you just look at the world that we live in right now, we've basically done information wrong. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that in a. I'm saying that in a in a in a in a sense of like understanding that we, we as in the West, make mistakes and maybe fix it. I I, I don't know. But when you look at like the way that information is communicated, the one thing that you can basically assume is that you, the government is spying on you and the and the corporations are censoring you. Like that is very very. I don't know how to say assumed is not the right way of saying it, but there are, it almost feels like there's a, the, the the way that the conversation is constructed is that there are the initiated and the uninitiated, which is something that I have a major ethical problem with. I do not think that that is an intellectually honest way of approaching something. But I think what we, what we do run into, I think what we're looking at when it comes to information or, or privacy in, in, in the West right now is that you don't have privacy, you don't have a right to privacy, but you, well, your right to privacy is 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 you can guarantee that your right to privacy is being infringed and when you and your your right to speak freely is also being infringed and and the way that both of those play out is rather straightforward is the government will use corporations to censor your speech they will correct you they will correct your speech or they will, they will use corporations to censor your speech i.e. twitter in the 2020 election or i.e. Twitter and 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 the FBI or the open window that Twitter had. It's a really clean example. And then another one. It's not the con- the condemnation is not so much even on the level of Twitter. It's that the fact that the FBI was like, yeah, we'll open up a, a direct censorship comms channel with this corporation, uh, and not 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 throw up a million ethical red flags because there is there is the temptation of of observation, like being able to if you're looking at a threat based society, like let's, let's, you know, let's, let's not, let's not us versus them uh, on ontology. This let's actually look at it as in, I was talking earlier about being able to listen to Antifa's radio, right? Like that, is that, is that, is that a, um, of, does that, does that, void their second amendment right are there not does that void their fourth amendment rights Uh, or does that infringe on their how would you approach something like this from an individual level because i can definitely say that i don't know what do you think about it like i don't have an issue the the biggest issue that i have with guns is, is is straightforward the government has should never know what i own they should never be allowed to know what i own yeah, they can. They they, they they that I have a serious issue with because I know I understand how this works in in a, in a, in a military situation. If I, <coughs> geez, I just coughed right into the mic. You're supposed to cough away into it. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a it's a very classic strategy. If I know where you are, where you store your equipment, and what equipment you have, I can defeat you. It's it's mm-hmm. completely easy. So uh, let's
1: let's take this approach then in regards to that. Let's say. So you have to take a look at all the information that you can gather about a signal, right? If you're talking about Antifa and, and what they're um, you know, wanting, what information can you use to further your goals? And if you draw the line in terms of your morality with listening to those people talk is a violation of their privacy, then what, what information can you still gather about that signal uh, that will help you in your objectives, achieve your objectives, right? And so that's going to be maybe the direction, right? If you're direction finding it, the strength of the signal, um, a fingerprint maybe of that signal, in terms of uh, I tr- being able to identify what equipment that they're communicating on, um, metadata that's associated with that signal, right? Like the bandwidth of the signal, all those properties. Can still be used uh, to help to assist you achieve your objective, and so then I guess the question becomes: When you start gathering information and gathering signals, is like, is collecting the metadata now an an invasion of the privacy? Mm-hmm. Maybe depends what kind of what's stored in the metadata. What is that? You know?
0: Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think I think that's and then you also you also have to make a necessary distinction between the citizens and the state. Mm-hmm. Like there is, a there is a there, and the scale, and well, the, right. You know
1: so, not to cut you off there, but real quick, what I want to say about that is, we we use the companies as scapegoats, and we say that oh, the the First Amendment only applies to the government infringing your First Amendment. That's bullshit to me. Like we as Americans should uphold the values of our Constitution and embody those values in how we live our life. So you know, yes, does it are you breaking the law? Maybe not, but you know, that's why I tell people to have a healthy respect for privacy and, and things of that.
0: Yeah. Cause it's, it, it is, it is a messy situation or it's not a messy. It is a messy situation because I am not a free speech absolutist when it comes to certain things. Like I, I, I well, let's, I mean, very, there's very clear examples like, you know, child pornography, mm-hmm. you know, but that's already against the, that's like the, the, the use or the, the, child pornography is also illegal on a different example. Mm. So like um that 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 is something that makes sense to me is 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 from like a, an an absolutist standpoint um where i think where most people are engaging with where i think the the, the reasonable argument in, involving the first amendment is um uh, the or- of people's right to assemble. Yeah. So like, you know, i if if and this is where it gets even goofy, but like okay a protest is a, a pro when someone in when or when a group of people organize to protest the government they're effectively doing something that is both within our confines of governance like it is the people participating in their political system because they are openly presenting a list of grievances to their supposed elected in, in, officials and it, so so it is inherently baked into the government cake because we the people and then it is also anti-government because mm-hmm. you're protesting the government right it's right. adversarial and it is simultaneously adversarial and uh what is it um cohesive maybe it's not the right word uh cooperative and, and adversarial or integrated yeah. and adversarial it is simultaneously right. integrated and adversarial it's interesting but so but and and yet at the same time, the issue that we run into when it comes to the protests are that people will use protests to be a fiery, 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 but mostly peaceful assassination attempt or something right. like that, you know, whatever you want right. to call it. And so. Uh, there are some challenges with that, and when it comes to like a platform. If I can, if I know that this group of people is doing something violent, and I can surveil their communications, that's an advantage for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have an obvious answer right now. I just, I do have it in terms to certain subjects. It's
1: a um, very fine line that you need to, you know, you need to bring your your own morality in, into the calculus. You need to weigh your values as an American and it's a very, very fine line that you need to walk, um, but just I think you know at least considering and understanding the factors at play is is one is one step in the right direction, and understanding also that we're all human at the end of the day, and you know nobody is perfect. So yeah,
0: well we want our we want our rule sets to follow or match. We want our we want our legal system to match our ethics is what we want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's not always the case, and we can change that over time. And sometimes we do. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something. I've heard phrases like the digital bill of rights. That's an example. Um I wouldn't be surprised if we had kind of a, an, a, a there. There, I think there's a a general need for like a, an addition to the uh, the amendments. There's an additional. I think we need an additional amendment to the bill of rights, and one of them being a very hard, closed chapter prohibition of government spying on populations like you know that 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 any data that the government collects on the population has to be made public and people need to be notified about it hey we're the government we've been spying on your cell phone or we we have started we have started observing your cell phone
1: i think the the thing like i think a lot of people you know within like the intelligence community and, and stuff like that do have that like respect for people and respect for their privacy. Um I would say anybody, you know, anybody who's good at what they do and has a good head on their shoulders understands that what they're doing and has a good respect for that. I think where it becomes very very dangerous is with people who are, you know, you said the word before but not um outwardly m- malicious but kind of passively like they they're just, um, God, the word is escaping me right now. It happens. But like ignorant. What?
0: Yeah, it, it happens. Is, is it, The word escapes me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, but like ignorant, you know what I mean? Like, Like they're not trying to do anything bad, but they're just like, this is my job and this is what I have to do. So I'm just going to do it. And I don't really care, you know, and they don't know or they don't have a good respect for people's privacy. So that's where I think it gets dangerous because I think, you know, a lot of people really aren't out to surveil American, the American population, you know, there are systems in place to prevent stuff like that, but it happens, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like through people granting the wrong authority to somebody or or giving the, the wrong task and not fully understanding the problem
0: well if we if we actually believed things like the government was cons- wholly consisted of like the new Reich kind of thing that would require a certain series of ethical follow throughs um you know like and 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 so i think and this also has to do with just being living in in our in the era that we do in this sort of post insurgency era where like everything is this and this goes back to the conversation on like fifth generation warfare where I I I kind of waver between two thoughts, two not worldviews, but two try, two ways of trying to understand this. But uh, what it does, where 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 it, where it comes together is, um. Yes, we, there is the, the the one responsibility that we have, and one challenge that we're facing as a country and as an and and, and as a population is that how do we sort out between. How do we sort out people who work within this environment of information from being malicious actors to just sort of innocent bystanders or the ignorant, the, the, the semi innocence that comes with ignorance? Um, That is a serious question. And then the other one is a redress of grievances. Mm. And, and so like, I do have, I have an issue with people hiding behind their ignorance. And let me explain this way. There is something wrong with your society when this is thesis there is something wrong within, within your society and the the populations within where people can believe they can they can come they can they can believe without maybe opposition that it is perfectly ethical for them to spy on their neighbors so the idea that someone could come about to be being ignorant of the pers- of their neighbor or their the other uh, fellow americans fourth amendment rights or the the human the natural right to individual privacy. The fact that somebody can come to that conclusion at the, as an adult is something that I have a major issue with. It, mm-hmm. it goes the same thing. If you're a 25 year old adult and you still believe in gun control, there is something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with your understanding of ethics because you do not believe in human beings. You believe in the, the you believe in something like the enlightened and the drawl. there is no way that you can tell that so whether and this goes back to the argument with when it comes to gun control too it's we always bring up the conversation about well you know some people are just you know some people just ignorantly go along like the the politicians don't know what guns are and they make these arguments like no at some point in time it doesn't matter whether you're whether you're ignorant or malicious it's the same thing and the same outcome we don't allow felons to vote, which I have ethical questions against that because they've paid their due, dues to society. And, but we, we give full grace to people who have reached adulthood who still believe things like it's okay to enslave your neighbor by mandating that one group of people in a room can come and vote together to go to you and say, you're not, you're not qualified enough to possess said item. And I have, uh, there's this, and and there are scales on it, right? Like maybe nukes isn't the right answer, but we're back on the conversation of AR-15s. And if you still support gun control and you're past the age of 25, you have a moral problem that you need to fix, and you should probably stop participating in any meaningful level of uh, control in this country, whether it's politics or voting or law enforcement or law even. You should quit that profession. Go on a journey and figure out what the hell is wrong with you and then come back to the table and maybe people can consider you normal again. That's what I think is going on. And so the idea that we'd live in a society where people can get a job spying on their neighbor and be like, oh, I don't know why this is wrong, that I have an issue with. Mm -hmm. It's an, You know, we talk a lot about the education. Right now, everyone's talking about education, right? Is it transgenderism or is it guns or whatever? I get it. It's the conversation. But, you know, for all the arguments and complaints that go on in the education system, like, for all the arguments, like, like, the education system that the, the the doomer American looks at the education system and says it's so bad, then a lot, and a lot of people go and they go homeschool their children, more power to you, you sh- I think that's, th- I think that is th- the most ethical choice. I'm biased, hmm. I was homeschooled. But then the third, but the third option being is like, I don't think that I don't uh, when people complain about when we complain as a society about the education system, it's either by malicious actors who want to have control over that or it is by people who are get get their rocks off by complaining about the education system. And mm-hmm. and we need we can look at it and go, we are failing our children if they reach adulthood and still believe things like they can take away their neighbor's guns because they got the fifis hurt. Or they can spy on their neighbor because everything is a construct of I don't know what you want to do, like domestic terrorism. Yeah. And that and, and so it, it all identifies a lack of aim and a lack of purpose and a lack of direction. And then it becomes a self-justifying machine. So if you wanna if you want to address that problem, if you raise children, because we want to have kids, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and and this this generation is looking at it, but if we if we pause it that there's something wrong with the academic system and not identify specifically what that is. And sorry, it isn't white supremacy. Um, it is, if we, it, it's the idea that you could consider a person educated and still believe that they are enlightened over it. You know, it's, it's, we, we've, I've been seeing it all over the place lately. People with PhDs saying that it's okay for one group of people to go to another group of people and take away their stuff right like yeah dude the education failed you at some point in time you need to figure that out yeah and so when it comes to like information yeah i would rather have be able to wrestle with the ethics of well you ha- you have to be able to wrestle with the ethics of what you're doing mm-hmm. it's it's necessary to it and if you're not maybe maybe some maybe there's some soul searching that needs to be done yeah definitely
1: i i just hope people you know bring that appreciation into what they do i think unfortunately a lot of people are just going through the motions you know Um, like just in general like general population i mean Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know and don't take things as seriously as they need to
0: so i what what do you how what do you mean by taking it seriously because i think that i think that what we're struggling with is we don't know what to take seriously I think I think I think a lot of the citizenry doesn't know what to say take seriously. For example, the whole um I will shut up. I have been I, I need I need I want to hear your answer. Well how how would you evaluate that that um what to take seriously? I think that's a good question
1: because there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I guess I'm somewhat nihilistic about, but then, you know, Let's say so. Here's a perfect example, right? Like, just day to day, right? Like you go to the post office, and you have a terrible customer service experience because let's say they lost your package or something. I'm I'm explaining a situation that's happened to me multiple times. So, um, but let's say they lost your package, right? And then nobody, you know, you talk to people on the phone, they pass you around. You have a terrible customer service experience, and nobody wants to take ownership of that situation. They just want to wake up, go to work get through the day with relatively low drama and then go home and collect their paycheck. And it's like, you know, I, I joined the military to be an infantry Marine. Like I did not want to do communications. Nothing. Didn't care about it. Didn't want to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was not given a choice and I was made to do it. And so I invested all of my time and all of my energy into that. And I think people need to, you know, have that level of like, give a shit factor about what it is they do, even if it's not what they want to do, you know, it turned out okay for me, like, I found an interest in it. Doesn't turn out okay for everyone. But like, keep, keep investing your time and your energy into things. And you will find that thing, you know, eventually. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm not, maybe I I shouldn't preach, but that's kind of how I feel.
0: It's a good... I mean, it's a it's a really interesting point, man. And I've heard similar things to it, but usually it comes from the position of somebody who, like, I wanted to be X, but I got injured so I couldn't be that, and so I figured out something else. But that's a really good point coming from, like, I went to join the Marines to be an... In, I, I was Army, so there you go, but you joined the Marines to be an infantryman, ended up a comms guy, and now you're where you're at. Yeah, I mean, you could make it into a lemons and the lemonade story if you wanted to, but... um what were how how did you I'm going to we're going to close on this one because we, we should we should we should start wrapping this up. But I want to hear what how, what did you how, what, what, what what was going through your head as you when when you found out that you were not going to be an infantryman and then you found then you got stationed somewhere. And I don't know if you got stationed where you wanted to be. And then mm-hmm. you got like I want to hear that story real quick. What is the summary of how you looked at these? What is that? What is the story? Tell me. Well,
1: I mean, when I found out that I was going to be, you know, a communications guy, I can remember the moment. Obviously, I was pretty dejected, but, you know, not going to sit there and and like cry about it. I definitely, I definitely was pretty emotionally distraught about it. And my wife can attest to that. But um, when I did find out, I basically made a promise to myself that I I would do I would give it 100%, absolutely everything that I had, but I will get out of at the end of my contract. I will not do another tour, you know, for an organization that didn't, you know, and, and ultimately, I signed up at the end of the day, you know, selflessly, right? Like, I'm not going to say that they owe me anything, right? Like, the Marine Corps doesn't owe me shit, and I actually got a lot out of the Marine Corps, so I am very grateful for my experiences. Uh, in the Marine Corps, but I basically made the decision that I would give it everything that I have, and then I would get out at the end of my contract, having honorably served the time that I committed to to serve. Um, and when I found out where I would be stationed, so we, we go to comm school first because it's a relatively long school, and then you get your duty station after. So comm school is in 29 Palms. I don't know if you have any experience with 29 Palms.
0: I my, my uh I've known people who've been stationed there, and I've driven past it, but I don't. I it, the only thing that I hear about it are the same thing that I hear about like Fort Benning or well, I, I, I was stationed at Fort Benning. I I I thought I, I, so I've heard similar stories like there's not a lot to do, uh, it's out in the desert. There's there's literally the 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 desert children you gotta watch out for um you know i've i've heard things like there's not a lot of you know there's not exactly a, a rich thriving culture in the area no. um the music scene is pretty non-existent
1: it's an interesting
0: place but i and, oh, and i and i've ridden past it on a motorcycle but i've never really been there i don't know it i don't know the feeling i don't know what the water tastes like i, I don't know the water not doesn't taste great there's not a lot of water but anyway <laughs> um the
1: uh, yeah. So it's like, there's not a lot to do out here. I don't know. People get like a bad impression of 29 palms. I actually don't hate it. I kind of like it. I'm still here, obviously. Mm. Um, but when I was in the schoolhouse, I got funny story about that. I got like, there's a sign as you come into town, it says 29 with an exclamation mark and I got it tattooed on my leg. And then like the instructors found out about that, I guess, cause we were like doing PT and green on green or something. And they saw, it. and so I got stationed in 29 palms. That's the story there. Not no the greatest me. place to be stationed you know. though. Could have been San yeah. Diego, you know.
0: Hey, I don't know. I I'm not I wasn't in the Marine Corps and I know of some of your places, but uh Yeah, so 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 you ended up so you kind of you metaphorically or you literally shot yourself in the foot. No, you metaphorically shot yourself in the foot. Ended up at 29 Palms, but you didn't hate the place. Like okay. I did, I I was I, I'll be clear, I was not a fan of Fort Benning. Fort Benning is where people go to die. Like it's not, not my place. And, yeah. um, and part of it, there's, there's all of these factors. Right. And, 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 but, um, I, for, when I joined the army and I joined the army, uh, going to, I joined the army I I knew I had an option 40 contract. And for whatever reason, in my mind, probably naivety. I just assumed that I was going to end up stationed out, out in Seattle. Like, cause the mm-hmm. second bat is out there. Yeah. Um, and, and when I found out that I was not getting stationed in Seattle, I, it probably took me like six months to get over that. Cause I ended yeah. up getting stationed at Fort Benning and I took on, I did the, I commend you, man, because when I got stationed at Fort Benning, I took on a very different attitude mm-hmm. a very like, this is going to suck and I'm going to hate it for four years. And as a result, I wasted a lot of time. I wasted a yeah. lot of time and opportunity to enjoy my life. So mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to hear, so how did, so you, you, then how did that, how did getting stationed in 29 Palms and your attitude change as you went forward?
1: Well, I mean, I think that, uh, when I kind of realized that you can go outside your house and go down the block and shoot into the side of a mountain and go dirt biking in anywhere, I kind of started to like it, but, yeah, like, I I don't know, my first duty station was pretty challenging. It, it was very demanding and required that I adapted quickly. So I did not enjoy it. Um, but I learned a lot. And I am extremely grateful for the experience that I had in my first duty station. It was definitely a kick in the nuts. And you know, I cut my teeth pretty fast and learned a hell of a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, uh, as far as how my attitude changed, I don't know. I kept my promises to myself. Um, so I'm, I'm very glad about that. I don't, I wouldn't say it's changed too much. You know, I think I try to have a good outlook and I try to live my life without regrets.
0: I'm gl- I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think, uh, disappointment like it's it i guess gets, handling disappointment is a tricky thing for a lot of people especially when we for uh, i think in our generation because i think you and I, if i'm not mistaken you and i are similar ages there's a little bit of this um there was i think we kind of lived I, I heard our generation described as like the generation that was raised on do what you want and the veneer of that reality died uh as we were coming of age Um, and so most of our, I could, I could, you, if you wanted to be really nihilistic about like millennial generation, like a lot of our lives is being defined by being the first generation that is not more wealthy than the one before it being the Mm -hmm. first generation where like uh, being the generation where education doesn't mean anything anymore. Iber X Kendi has a doctorate. No one cares. You know what I mean? Like it's, we live in a lot of, we live in these generations where there's a lot of things to be disappointed by and that can look a lot like well we were pro- we were promised the world and received an ash pile but the uh, the alternative uh, the alternative attitude is that well you can either quit or you can make something out of it and yeah. i i'm see i want to see myself turn more in that second way yeah definitely so and I can even say it. I wish that if I could go back to the time that I was in the military, the one of the things that I would have changed is I would have changed my mindset. I would have said, "Okay, you're here. You're going to make the most of it. You're going to make the absolute most of being stationed on Fort Benning. Maybe you're going to yeah. go to every possible school you can. Maybe you're going to take advantage of all the tank trails. Maybe you're going to learn how to. You're going to get a dirt bike and learn how to ride out in the woods. I don't know what I got. I, I. But if I go, if I could." that's the one thing that i regret about it one, that is one of the things that i wish i if i could go back i'd be like hey you're going to be stationed at fort benning for four years make something out of it yeah there's nothing to do here but drink and and there's nothing to do here but you know there, there, this was a common phrase there's nothing to do in fort benning except for you know complain about columbus georgia and i'm like yeah it's a shithole yeah. <laughs> make something out of it dude okay yeah. okay i'll try but all right, so any closing thoughts before we wrap it up for the day? Let's start, and make sure you include something like where people can find you. Oop, dropping radios. Where, where people find you. Uh, any Anything that you want to leave the audience with for today, your second appearance.
1: What I'll say um, is, you know, one thing that I saw a statement from the recent shooting, the officer Michael Colazzo's sister said that he, you know, he spent a lot of time away from family, training, Uh, taking his job, taking his life really seriously. Um, And I'm not advocating for anybody to spend time away from your family. Obviously, family comes first. It's very important to me. Uh, But what I will say is that's a sign of a true professional. Um, So, you know, in whatever it is that you do, go get training. Uh, Invest in that training for yourself. It doesn't always have to come in the form of courses that you pay for. But invest in your knowledge and education uh, and training towards that end. Uh, And then, you know, that's really all I have to, to leave the podcast with, but I will say um, I'm trying to do a lot more YouTube content. It's really hard, honestly. Um, I'm not super comfortable in front of a camera, but I am trying to put out a lot more free information and education uh, and content on YouTube. So I hope people check that out. Uh, Just Mojave Repeater on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. You got us on Instagram, Mojave.Repeater and the website
0: absolutely awesome man i i look forward to seeing more of your content coming out and uh you know i i think last time we talked uh since then we've had a couple of ideas going back and forth but i really hope that this year i can't even say hope that's not the way of saying it um i look forward to what you guys start continue to produce because i think i'm right here with you man i like i like what you guys are doing it's good to see that there is uh you know that may maybe even though a void is left because it's not all about guns maybe as gun culture continues to expand we're going to see more and more uh, applications but i i think that despite no no matter how dark it looks outside there is something to be gained from this so we're going to we're going to make it out 100%. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that too cuz yeah um i appreciate it. So well in conclusion we're just going to wrap this up then. uh this has been the Redacted Culture Cast. We hope that the beginning was informative and the ending was inspiring. Uh, we hope, I really enjoyed this conversation with Alex from Mojave Repeater. If you want to support, you know, if you want to support the show, uh, we do have merch going on. This is going live on Monday, where you can find uh, this. This the show is that we're recording now is going live on Monday. The pre order for the Redacted X Gypsy Walters into beast collection if you want to call it that that sounds weird uh but uh, our into beast merch is alive right now if you want to just support the show you can head over to redactedculture.locals.com other than that you can find us at redacted llc and if you're listening to us on youtube we'd love to see your comments if you're listening to us on spotify we appreciate the reviews that you've been leaving us Uh, because of the listeners we have reached the top five percent in the world Now we just got to get a little bit better. So we will talk to you guys later. That being said, take care. Talk to you soon.